Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, reading in, the, in verse 13 through 22. It says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Verse 15 said, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. And then, going to the people who sold doves... He said, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Now remember, remember this, pay attention to this. Passion for God's house will consume me. Passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. Jesus said, well, all right, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. And they said, what? It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Father, we thank you for your word, for your word, for the truth of it. We thank you for the power of it to change our lives. And God, we just open our hearts and our minds today. Lord, we want, we want what, we believe what James said in his, in the first chapter of the book that he wrote. God, that we don't need to just be hearers of your word, but we need to be doers. So God, I pray that you'd transform us today by your word. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Let me ask you a few questions this morning. How satisfied are you with your life? How satisfied are you with your life? If you had to rank it from like 1 to 10, are you a good solid 7? Maybe a sad little 3? Where are you on that scale? How excited are you about your life? Do you, do, you get, do you get up every day and you, you get up with purpose and with passion in your life the way Jesus did? What kind of impact are you having for the kingdom of God? Are you consumed with passion for the work of the Lord? See, in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry here on this earth, I would venture to say that there were no two days alike with Jesus. That the disciples had to, they had to have gotten up every day and just said, well, I wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder what Jesus is going to get into today. Wonder who he's going to tick off today. Wonder who he's going to offend. Wonder who he's going to heal today. What dead person, what funeral are we going to interrupt today? 
right? Jesus was consumed with passion, not just for the house of God, but for the people of God, for the lost sheep of Israel. And and he asked his earthly parents, this happened early for Jesus in his life. He, He asked his earthly parents, don't you know, didn't you know I had to be up and about my father's business? That, that passion that Jesus had for ministry and that he had for people caused him to take a path which very few people are willing to take in life. Most of the world around him was pretty much the same. Pretty much everybody did everything every day the same way. But Jesus was different. Jesus said, listen, I don't answer to anybody on this earth. I do what my father says. He said, I I say what he says, and I do what he tells me to do. Even people who were never going to accept him, never going to receive him as the Son of God, had to admit when they heard him and saw him and and figured out the way he lived, they had to say, yeah, I really ain't never seen anybody do it that way before. I never heard anybody say it that way before. Never seen anybody do the things that he says and that he does. Jesus was different. And I believe if we're going to be followers of Jesus, that we should expect to be different. To be different. We're going to have to be different. As a matter of fact, God said, be holy. You remember this? I think I said this last week in a different context. Be holy because I am holy. Well, do you know what holy means? It means you are set apart. It means everybody else is going this way, but I want you to be set apart. I want to take you right out of the middle of how everybody else does it, and I want to put you over here. I want you to be different. So it doesn't just mean that you're going to make a series of moral choices. It means you're going to have an entirely different motivation, an entirely different purpose in your life. So if that's the case, if holiness is about being set apart, if it's about being different, then the, the, the enemy of holiness is not just sinfulness, it's sameness. The enemy of holy is sameness. It's living just like everybody else. It's falling into this world system and going numb to the rhythms of this life. I know it's predictable, I know it's comfortable, but it's deadly for a believer. So before you get overwhelmed with that, before you you freak out and you don't know where this is going, let me tell you the title of this message. One decision from different. One decision from different. You, You don't have to go out and change your whole life tomorrow. I mean, you can. If that's what God calls you to, most of us are not in a position to do that. But what we can do is make one life-changing decision today that will affect all of our tomorrows. Do you believe that? Okay. Well, maybe by the end of this you will believe that. You can make one life-changing decision today that will change all of your tomorrows. We'll give you another chance. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah, the Bible is full of those life-changing decisions. One day, one moment at a time. So I want us to look at a really familiar passage of Scripture from the Gospels that you're going to immediately recognize if you've been in church for any length of time. And, and if not, then this is a, this is a fantastic account. And, and I don't ever want to call anything in the Bible a story because it's not a myth, it's not a legend, it's not just a good read, it's fact. It happened. 
So this is an account of something that happened to Jesus and his disciples. And there are three mileposts that we, I want to pull out of there so that you can, you can sort of watch for those on your journey of making a different decision today. So here's the, here's the first one. So I, um, I was a little indecisive this week. I could not land on which title of the, of the point that I wanted to make. So you get two titles for each point. It's free, y'all. It's free. You get an extra title for each point. Congratulations. Y'all figure out whichever one you want. Here's the first milestone I want you to see, and it's either, it's called the rut of the routine, the rut of the routine, or for you children of the 70s, the grave in the groove. Okay? The grave in the groove, or the rut of the routine. And we're going to see it in Matthew chapter 14, verses 24 through 26. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Does it not always seem like the disciples were in trouble? The disciples were in trouble far away from land. They were in a boat, by the way, y'all. They weren't swimming. They were in trouble far away from land for a a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Y'all all got that one friend that every, something weird happens and they always holler, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. So they were, they were incorrect, but that's what they thought. All right. So at first glance, this would seem to be the stuff of nightmares, wouldn't it? it would any, do any of y'all read this and go, oh, good Lord, I'm glad I was not in that boat. That's some crazy stuff right there. That's the, that's the kind of once-in-a-lifetime stuff you tell your grandkids about. I was there when this happened. But listen, don't forget that Peter and a whole lot of the other disciples were fishermen. They had been on this lake their whole lives. The Sea of Galilee is really just one big lake, and it's famous for having unpredictable and really violent storms. I promise you Peter has weathered some storms on this lake. He's been through it. He has seen, y'all watch the air quotes, he's seen the ghosts all around the lake. He's seen things that freaked him out and scared him to death. So this storm might have been stronger than all the other ones, but at some level, a storm's a storm. At some level, they kind of feel all the same. You see, sometimes in our lives, we get tired of the familiar, don't we? We just get sick of it. We get sick of the rat race. We get sick of the hamster wheel. We get tired of the monotony and the repetition of life. So to to the point that sometimes you get to a place where you say, if I don't do something different right now, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. See, routines are nice for safety and for comfort and for predictability, but it's really easy for routines to turn into ruts. It's, it's really nice to find a good groove, but sometimes there's a grave in the groove. So I believe that Simon Peter had reached that point in his life. I believe he was ready to be different. So listen, do, do you really want to stop living to die? Aren't you dying to live? Isn't there something inside of you that's just gnawing at you? Something that's telling you there's something more, something better, something that means more, something that makes a difference for the kingdom of God? And maybe the more important question is, isn't God expecting us to be different? 
Isn't he expecting us to be set apart? Is he satisfied? So we asked ourselves, are we satisfied with our lives? Here's a better question. Is he satisfied with our lives? Is he satisfied with us living just like everybody else? When's the last time you got up and you put your feet on the floor and you had kingdom purpose in your heart? When's the last time you woke up with the intention of affecting someone's eternity for the better? You are one decision away from different. One decision. But you have to be sick of sameness before you'll make that decision. Because you get lulled to sleep by it. And it's easy to just rock on from day to day. Even in the storms, eventually you kind of get used to the rhythms of it. You have to get sick of it. You have to get sick of the sameness before you ever make a decision to be different. Peter was sick of it. He was sick of it. Are you sick of it? You have to take that up between you and the Lord. Here's the next milestone on this journey of decision making. It's the excitement of the exit. The excitement of the exit, here's my personal favorite, or the lift in the leap. The lift in the leap. You can take your choice. Matthew chapter 14 again, next verse 27 through 29. Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Notice this verse. Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. For real? Like, he couldn't think of another way for Jesus? Like, give me the secret handshake, Jesus, if it's really you. No, tell me to come walking on the water. And Jesus said, yeah, come on. Uh, Jesus was from South Israel, by the way. Um, so Peter, Peter went, oh, that's not true, actually. He was North Israel. But um, Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. Peter had, in that moment, had never been more alive in his whole life. Can, y'all, can you even imagine what that must feel like? He made the decision to be different. He left all the other clowns in the boat. They were all freaking out. Oh, they were all praying. They were all, um, they were all filling out their wills or whatever they were doing, you know, texting loved ones or something 2,000 years ago. Cell service was not good. They, 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 Peter decided, I'm not doing that. I'm not going out like that. I've had enough of all of that. But I want you to recognize what happens to you in that moment of decision when you make up your mind and then you decide to act on it even in the smallest of ways. Not necessarily the life-changing decisions, but the decision to do one thing different, to take the next step. It'll be something that you never forget. Something you never forget. My favorite Christmas song, it, it says this. It talks about the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. And that's exactly what happens when you throw off the hopelessness and the helplessness of the habits and the routines of our lives and we make the decision to be different. Peter went over the side of the boat and you can bet in that moment that he felt this this overwhelming mixture of terror and freedom, all of these emotions and this surge of spiritual energy as he recognized what he was doing. And it had to have been breathtaking for him. 
It had been really breathtaking for me because I can't swim. So there had, there's, this, there's an excitement in the exit. There is a lift in the leap. It may be time for some of you, for some of us, to do something radical. Maybe it's time to leave the comfort of your routine, the comfort of your comfort zone, and try to do something that you've never tried before. See, when Peter saw Jesus, even before he knew for sure it was Jesus, he was already out of the boat in his mind. It was Peter's idea. I have no idea what he was thinking. But it was his idea. His radical move took him closer to Jesus because they were over here. Jesus was over there. And Peter said, I'm coming to you. So listen, just because it's crazy does not mean it's Jesus. Okay? So don't just go get the craziest idea you can think of and blame it on the Lord when you shipwreck your life. All right? So just because it's foolish does not mean it's faith. But when Jesus says, come, go. Make sure it's him. Pray about it. Be sure the direction you're going in is going to where Jesus is. Make sure it's him calling you. But when you know, go. So Peter just got tired of the ways he had always experienced his relationship with the Lord. He got tired of the ways he experienced life with Jesus. He he decided rather than wait in desperation and terror for Jesus to come and rescue him, he decided for once he was going to live more like Jesus. He decided he wanted more walking on water and less praying to dry, not to drown. Right? He decided he wanted to be more active than passive. More big swings than called strike threes. He just decided he was going to do something. Listen, is it time for you to get out of the boat today? Is it time to get out of the boat? Is it time for you to break the monotony of your relationships? Is it, tired, is it time for you to do something different in your service to the Lord? Is it time for you to do something different in the ways you worship the Lord? Aren't you tired of doing the same thing all the time? So don't fall into this mental trap. Did y'all do this when you were a kid? When I when I hear messages about uh, about doing God's will, about getting out of the boat, uh, here's what I always thought: If I get out of the boat, God is going to send me to Africa. Did y'all have that conversation with yourself? Like there is the only place you can be in the will of God is in Africa. Right? So let me help you with that. <laughs> Jesus needs some people to stay here. Okay? We just need to stay here on purpose. Stay here on mission. There, there are a million ways that God beckons to us to get out of the boat that don't involve changing continents. Maybe not even changing zip codes. Okay? Some of you have had the same fight with your spouse 327 times. Right? It may, it may start different, but it's the same fight every time. Maybe it's time to try something new. Some of you have hit the same walls with your kids over and over again. It might be time to try something new. Some of you have every day of your life 
planned out. And you know exactly what you're going to do, how much you're going to make, how much you're going to spend, how much you're going to save in 23 years from now, or at least you think you do. But your, your routines become a rut. And the groove you're in is quickly becoming a grave. Maybe it's time to get out of the boat. Maybe he's calling you to make a change in your attitude. Maybe he's calling you to make a change in your mindset. Maybe he's calling you to make a change in your finances. Maybe he's calling you to make a change in your physical health. All kinds of ways that God calls us to be different. So listen, you're not stuck. I don't care what situation you're in. You're not stuck. You always have a choice. Maybe it's just a choice to change. If you can't change your circumstance, maybe it's just to change your outlook. Maybe it's just to change your perspective. Maybe it's just to change the way you approach the same old things. But you always have a choice. You are one step. You're one leap over the side. You are one decision away from different. From different. So listen, I've been working on this message for several weeks, and I keep, you know, I keep thinking, oh, this is going to be this Sunday, and no, it's not this Sunday. So it's been a little while before I, I felt like this week was the time to, to, to speak the message, but um, i got to be honest with you, I thought I was preparing this for you. I thought this was a y'all message, right? I'm like, dude, I'm out of my boat what in the world could, what else could you be asking? I, I thought this was free. I felt like God was going to help many of you take the next right step in your life with Him. And I believe He is. I believe He's already starting that. I believe He's already gnawing at you right now. And that holy terror is rising inside of you right now. And that's okay. But I came to realize this week, the message is not just for you. Y'all figured that out before me, didn't you? It's not just for you. It's for me. And not just for you and for me, it's for us. It's for us collectively as a church because every, every church, if they're pursuing God, if they're on mission for God, if, they're, if their goal is to go and make disciples for Jesus, then, then we, 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 we kind of become our own a body. We become our own, a body that fits into the, the big picture body of Christ. But we're kind of our own person at Covenant Life. And, and so just like he's got a will for us individually, he has a will for us collectively. Do y'all believe that? He does. And so sometimes he calls each of us individually to get out of the boat, and sometimes he calls all of us to get out of the boat collectively. So we got a, we got a lot of new faces here. we got a lot of folks who, who've just come in the last few months, and so I want to I make sure everybody's up to speed. Um, we own the property next door. Um, and we've owned it f- since 2011. It's 41,000 square feet. It's sitting on five acres. It has some asbestos. It has some lead-based paint. It has some areas that look like an episode of Criminal Minds was filmed there. Um, there's some really freaky stuff up in there, man. I'm just telling you. But, but we believe, and we've tried to sell it. We've tried to, we've considered all kinds of things, some of which are legal, some were not legal, but we considered it. <laughs> um, and, and so we just, we've been batting this thing around for a long time, but we just can't get away from the fact that God gave this to us 
for a reason, that there's a vision for that. And, and he's given us a vision for it. And we've got some ministry needs that, that we have for our church. We want to bring the kids from up there in the older building. We want to bring them physically attached to this building, bring them closer so you mamas and papas will feel better about dropping your kids off in kids ministry. So we need to do that. We need a fellowship space big enough to accommodate everybody without having to move all the chairs. And anybody that's ever moved the chairs said, amen. You know, we got some things that we need to do in the church, but we, God has given us a bigger picture vision beyond ourselves. We, we want to we create some space where the community can come and join us, can come and enjoy the property because we're only officially on it, what, twice a week, you know, for Sundays and Wednesdays. We want them to come and be able to enjoy it. But, but bigger than that, we want to, we want to create a facility to house women who've been rescued from sex trafficking. And we want them to be able to bring their children because there are very, very few beds in the country where the women and their children can be housed at the same time. And God has placed that in our hearts. So lots of things that God wants us to do. But guess what, y'all? It's expensive. It's expensive. And, And I have avoided tackling this project because there are so many unknowns, because there are so many opinions, because there, there's, raising money is no kind of fun. It's intimidating and, it's, and it's, it's just scary. It's much safer to just keep doing good church things, right? And you get patted on the back and everything's kind of safe and everything's kind of calm. Just keep doing good, ordinary, churchy stuff and just keep kicking that can down the road for another day. But I was preparing this message this week, and I wasn't thinking nothing about this until I looked out over my boat and I saw Jesus standing there. And I heard Jesus calling us to come. Never in my life have I... (laughs) I preached myself happy. I broke down in tears sitting in my kitchen. I was trying to get myself together before Valerie came in and went, what in the world are you doing? Man, I lost my mind for a few minutes because I realized that God set me up. Does he do that to y'all? He messes with me all the stinking time and I don't appreciate it because what are you going to do? He's God. But I realized... He was waiting on me, and he was setting me up. And so listen, this is not... If you'd have asked me last week if I was going to talk about this, absolutely not. But that's where we are, and that's what God said to do. And I'm hearing him call to us. And so I'm just going to tell you, I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of being driven by fear and uncertainty. I'm tired of talking about it in every stinking council meeting that I have had in seven years. I'm tired of it because there are women who are being rescued tonight from sex trafficking that cannot be with their children because there's not a facility for it. I'm tired of this community just passing by this property wondering if there are any people there who love them or care about what's going on in their lives. God wants a lighthouse in this community, in this dark world where they know it's safe, where they know they're welcome. There are women who need a place to come and be safe and to have somebody full of grace who can pray with them and love on them while they get through the trauma of whatever it is they've been through. And so I'm telling you, it's time for us to get out of the boat. We are going to start on this project 
Immediately. Immediately. The first two phases of the project are going to cost somewhere around a quarter of a million dollars. Around 250000 to 300000 You know how construction is. You never really know until you crack it open and get in there. Um, that's, that's, that's almost half our annual budget. So I don't know how it's going to all work out. This is what I do know. It's time to get out of the boat. You say, well, John, where's the money going to come from? I have another word from the Lord. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Draft my bank account and do what it, I don't know. It ain't there. But here's what I do know. We're in charge of obedience. God's in charge of provision. Okay? So I also have, known, have figured this out because in, in a month I'm going to be 50 and I figured this out in a half century. Um, you can't wait on the provision to show up in order to take the first step. Like Missy's not going to call me next week and say, Pastor, I don't know. There's just an extra quarter of a million dollars in the bank account today. That's not happened. Not expecting it to happen because that's just not how that works. The provision doesn't appear with the vision. The provision is on the other side of the decision. You have to decide to get out of the boat and start walking towards Jesus before you get the ability to do what you need to do. Peter could have sat in the boat and dreamed about walking on the water all day, but until he flung his leg on the other side, he didn't have the ability, nor did he have the need. God's not really in the business of giving you abilities and giving you gifts that you're not going to use. He's not really in the business of tying up resources in, in people who are not going to release them. And so when you prove that you're ready to step into into that next season of your life, then God will show up with what you need. So I'll I'll lay out the details as fast as I can and, and I'll make like a real plan. But I'm just telling you, that property looks exactly the same as it did eight years ago, maybe a little uglier, but we are one decision from different. And so today, with the full support of the council, who I emailed quickly this week, I can tell you, we're making the decision today. It's time to get moving. It's time to get out of the boat. Okay? Time to get out of the boat. So y'all are excited about me getting out of the boat. What's God calling you to? What's He calling you to do? Am I telling you to go running off and do something reckless? No. I'm telling you to listen for the voice of Jesus. I'm telling you to look for where Jesus is in your life and run to Him. Pastor Henry Blackaby said it this way. He said, find where Jesus is already at work and then join Him in doing it. Ask Him first. Seek Him first. But if He beckons to you, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. So that's the second of the milestones is that lift and the leap. This energy and this surge that we feel right here. Here's the third milestone. The reality of the result. 
the reality of the result, or the fear with the faith. The fear with the faith. And I want to show it to you in Matthew uh, 14, 30 through 33. When he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed in the back end of the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshiped him and said, you really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. You see, some of you have already decided what God can and cannot accomplish through you. You've put a cap on God's work in your life. I've heard people say it for 27 years of ministry, however long I've been doing this, a long time. I've heard people say it, oh, I, didn't even, I could never do that. I didn't even go to college. I could never do that because I haven't even read the Bible all the way through. I, I didn't come from a good home. <clears throat> I, don't have, I don't have a lot of money. A thousand excuses. A thousand reasons why you can't or why you shouldn't or why you won't, but it generally all comes down to one excuse. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to try and fail. I'm afraid that I will embarrass myself. I'm afraid that somebody's going to say, I told you so. I'm afraid that my critic will be right. And Lord, don't we all have critics in our lives? Y'all don't have critics in your life? Okay. Peter was afraid too. Anybody with any sense would have been afraid as that was one of the emotions that swirling in him as he hopped out of the boat. But Peter was afraid. He was afraid he was going to miss this chance. He was also afraid that he would have to endure another storm just like all the others. He was afraid that he would get to the end of his life and realize that he had never really lived, that he had never tried anything any different than anybody else. Peter was afraid not to try something bold for Jesus. He was afraid not to see what it's like to walk by faith. He was afraid not to dare greatly in something that's important. So it, was he afraid of dying? Maybe, but he was more afraid of not living. It was time for him to get out of the boat. Is, is it time for you to get out of the boat? Say, well, John, there'll be critics. Yes, there will be critics. There are a host of people who stand around you and your life with their arms folded, ready to tell you why you shouldn't or why you can't. But the question is, are you going to give credibility to the critic? Are you going to listen to somebody who's never tried anything in their lives? Are you going to let those who won't convince you that you can't? You say, well, John, listen, I don't have to worry about critics. I don't have to worry about any of that because everything you try for the Lord turns out great. There'll be nobody to criticize you, nobody to make fun of you, but they'll just stand around you and acclaim your success. Well, listen, y'all, if you've been walking with the Lord for very long, you know that you don't always know how things are going to turn out, even when you're following Him. Don't misunderstand the opportunity that's in front of you. Face the reality that, uh, that results from your decision. Obedience is not an easy path. If obedience was an easy path, if it was a guaranteed path, everybody would have jumped out the boat and went running for Jesus on the water. That's not the reality. 
If obedience was easy, then Jesus wouldn't have said, listen, the path to destruction is wide and straight and easy. The path that I'm calling you to be on is narrow and difficult and not very many people are willing to do it. So it's not that you're leaving the difficulty of your past life for the ease of the call of God. That's not how that works. The choice is not between difficult or easy. The choice is in the destination because there's no version of this life that's free from challenges and fear. The question is not, will it be difficult? The question is, will it be worth it? So when we start to pursue the vision that God's given us, as we pursue the vision for this property, I I expect there'll be challenges. I expect there'll be setbacks. I'll expect there'll be times of discouragement. I expect that there will be times when I go, what in the world was I thinking? Why didn't I just keep doing what we've always been doing? But anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. You say, well, John, this is just too scary. It's all just, it's too scary. Too many unknowns. Well, listen, obedience requires faith. But listen, Faith is not the absence of fear. I have not found that in Scripture where it says that faith is the absolute absence of fear. I I don't see in the Word where faith and fear can't also occupy the same space. For me, it's the fear with the faith. They're not mutually exclusive. You You can have fear and still walk out in faith. Sometimes it's the fear that keeps you in the faith. Sometimes it's the fear that keeps you on your knees. The wind and the waves might just be what keeps you looking at Jesus. Where you glance over there and go, oh, good Lord, I can't handle all that. I better keep watching Jesus. That's the fear that's keeping you in the faith. You see, I don't believe that the opposite of fear, the faith is fear. I believe the opposite of faith is pride. The opposite of faith is pride. Here's what I mean. If faith is trusting in and believing in and depending upon God for the outcome, then pride is self-sufficiency. It's the belief that everything that's going to happen to me is going to be the result of my efforts and my intelligence and my talent and my connections and my resources. That is the opposite of faith. Because if you can do it, it has nothing to do with faith. If you're waiting to move until you have every resource at your disposal and you have every move planned out, you're not going to accomplish very much. And it's not going to be in faith. If you're planning to depend upon yourself, you're not going to go very far. But if you walk with faith, if you'll listen and obey You'll be amazed at what God can do. So listen, there is a lift in the leap. But pretty soon, all that wears off. And reality comes crashing in around you. When that happens, and it always happens. So don't think, if God's leading you to do something, you're about to jump out your skin. That's great. Enjoy that. Ride that as long as you can, because there is a panic coming in your life. When you realize you stepped out in faith and you are like for real walking in faith because there's no net. So when that happens, don't let fear freeze you. Don't let pride 
prevent you. Don't quit. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how long it's been that way, you are one decision from different. Y'all stand with me, please. I sense, and it was the same in the nine o'clock service, I sense the weight of the decision. So I'm under no false pretenses of how heavy this is and how um, important it is. So I'm not asking you to do anything rash. What I am asking you is to not take any option off the table. When you go all in with God, what you're saying is, whatever you want, Lord, you just tell me. And make sure I understand. So if you need to, you need to ask God to confirm it, ask him. He never got mad at anybody who asked him to confirm so that they would know how to move. He did get upset with people who doubted and questioned and pushed back and got angry and made, made excuses and all that kind of stuff. When you're just saying, oh God, I think I hear you, but I need to make sure I know it's you. He got no problems with that. Okay? So we're going to open this altar. We're going to do what we, what we always do. Um, and, and that is they're going to, the team's going to come sing one more song. We're going to sing together. And I'm going to pray in just a second uh, before they come. I'm going to pray. And then once I'm done praying, this altar is open. Well, it's always, it's actually never closed. You can come anytime you want to and you can pray. Either about this, if you've got a decision that you feel like that God's saying, yep, now's the time, come pray about it. I'm, if, if they're the, I don't know if the council members somewhere in the first service, if y'all are council members in this service, I would invite you to come and pray, please. And I will meet you here because what I just announced is a mouthful and we need prayer. And if anybody else would like to come and pray about it, I didn't, I would appreciate it. If you've got something in your life, come and pray. Or if you've got something completely different, you've got a relationship thing that's going on. You've got a financial thing that's going on, a health thing in your body, whatever it is, Come pray, and we'll meet you here. And more importantly, Jesus will meet you here. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.